There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 17th of September 2013. For newcomers, you should help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll find out how the big system that we were born into really, really works. Where I go through the private organizations run by the richest, actually owned by the richest people in the world, call themselves a parallel government. They formed themselves over a hundred years ago and they advise all governments across the world on all policies and social issues. And we don't vote them in, all these big foundations, and um, and have such tremendous power now, it's unbelievable. But uh, every politician knows this, and those at the top certainly know it because they're all members of the clubs that's organized for them to join, to get up into politics and to be vetted, and they're vetted by the Royal Issue for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, for instance, and every president and prime minister have been vetted by them for a hundred years, literally. So we're going through a system, a planned, rigged system, and folk are at the bottom, of course, will always stay at the bottom, because it's designed that way that you do, you see. Uh, the middle classes are being destroyed, because that was also planned an awful long time ago. The big boys decided over a hundred years ago that all those people who would um, achieve a, a eugenical superiority had already done so. And they proved that the claims by basically owning the world's money supply across the whole planet and the wealth and mineral resources and so on of the world through plunder and through running countries, uh, through their banking systems and so on. And that all those left down below were junk genes and they'll stay that way interbreeding. And then if time would eventually come, they would no longer need all the junk genes because they'd get another, another country with junk gene people like China to do all the manufacturing work for, for the elite themselves. So we're going through transition. This is the century of our transition, uh, which the big boys called it themselves, by the way. Uh, in the last century, they kept talking about the 21st century. So they were excited because in academia, too, they were prattling on about it big time because all the big agendas that they wanted to put through had to be fulfilled in the 21st century, including the standardization of the planet with their own private central banks installed, debt to the IMF, International Monetary Fund, set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and the Bank for International Settlements, and the World Bank, and so on. So they've done it all, actually, and they're in the process now of finishing off the few countries that don't have debt and don't go into the World Bank and the IMF and so on and borrow and stay in debt. So they're being taught the big, big lesson. You won't get away with it, you see. And at the same time, two big, big forces are working at home across the world under the guise of terrorism to train us all into this new obedience, which is designed for us to, to follow. And we're all being trained from birth to death now. The young really are being trained because even in Britain and Scotland and Gerfeck, for instance, the one for England too, by the way, but Gerfeck in Scotland, they actually give you a state-appointed uh, overseer that must come in and make sure that your psychological behavior is up to the political correct status of the day, even at the age of two months on, no kidding, and all through your life as well. 
So we're being trained the way that the Genesis said they would be training us a long time ago. H.G. Wells talked a lot about it because he was a propagandist for this group. And many others talked about it too. And here we are going through it all. And at the same time too, uh, people are being plundered of their homes. Um, everything is going up in, in prices because of uh, planned inflation. Inflation is built into the con of the system actually. Everyone expects a pay raise every year and, and they all suddenly just expect uh, that everything must go up every year. They don't know why. They don't, they don't think that far. It's strange that, isn't it? And um, so inflation is built into this, this crooked system of debt. Anyway, help yourself to the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You can help me take along too. Remember, by buying the books and discs there, because that's all I, I basically support myself on it and not all the work that I do here, because um, it keeps me kind of sane and it keeps me uh, free to say what I want to say too. Uh, when you take on big advertisements and so on, you also take on responsibilities and certain things then you may not be able to talk about to do with certain things and so on. Anyway... This is the way I go. So if you want to buy the books and discs at cuttingtruthematrix.com from the US to Canada, you can use personal checks, remember. And you can use international postal money orders from the post office still. And you, or you can send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Uh, straight donations are seriously, seriously welcome in these days of, as I say, planned inflation. So we're going through a scientifically designed system. And that's what people people can't really get. They think things just happen and the governments deal with it and things just happen out the blue. They're stumbling along down through the darkness and nothing is further from the truth. Because as I say, if you read the old books uh, from 100 years ago on to the present time, you'll find they talked about every step of the way actually, how they train us all and how they could alter all the cultures and destroy the old cultures. Because within all the old cultures, there was always a, a seed of rebellion and they wanted to breed that out of the public by training different generations that, that, that government was there not to serve you anymore, but to boss you around, to, to be the authoritative figure, which it now is, of course. Most folk accept it like that. So we're, we're getting trained all the time. And it's not just uh, through school. It's through uh, lots of things like entertainment, even novels. Novelists get, get uh, extra money to add in on the, all the PC updates, you know, into their stories. Same with the script writers for screen. And that's how you also, also get brainwashed into it's just the way it is. Just the way it is. Now here's an article here, for instance, and it says police are more dangerous to the public than our criminals. And it's by Paul Craig Roberts. Now we've been talking about this for years as the militarization of the police has stepped up. And um, it's in all the countries, all, all the so-called modern or first world countries, they all went into action with this agenda at the same time. And we are global as far as they're concerned. They, they, it's not that one country catches on and what we'll do this to, to our people here or train our police this way. Uh, it's all agreed in the top level. Remember, there's a, a, a chief of police association at the United Nations. All the top guys belong to it across the world. But it says here, the goon thug uh, psychopaths no longer only brutalize minorities, it's open season on all of us, and the latest victim is a petite young white mother of two small children. And it says the police are more dangerous to the public, and it says the worst threat every American faces comes from her or her or his own government. At the federal level, the threat is a seventh war, Syria in 12 years, leading on to the eighth and ninth Iran and Lebanon, and then on to nuclear war with Russia and China. 
the criminal psychopaths in Washington have squandered trillions of dollars on their wars, killing and dispossessing millions of Muslims, while millions of American citizens have been dispossessed of their homes and careers. Now the entire social safety net is on the chopping block so that Washington can finance more wars. Well, who are they really fighting for? I mean, it's the same same list that Israel had, by the way. Same list of other enemies. Look at all the papers from the 90s. Have a good look through them. And you find that the, the PNAC group of George Bush Jr. and Israel uh, articles were all but the same list of countries who wanted to take out. As I said, the state and local, uh, every American has faced faces brutal armed psychopaths known as the police. The law and order conservatives and the compassionate liberals stand silent while police psychopaths brutalize children and grandmothers, murder double amputees in wheelchairs, break into their own homes, murder the family and dogs, and terrify the occupants, pointing their automatic assault weapons in the face of small children. The American police perform no positive function. They pose a much larger threat to citizens than do the criminals who operate without a police badge. Americans would be safer if the police forces were abolished, it says. And the police have been militarized and largely federalized by the Pentagon and the Gestapo Homeland Security. And it's true enough, back uh, in, in the late 90s, nearly 200s, 2000s, they were talking about uh, most of the, the recruits they were taking and preferring to come in were from the military, straight in from the military. So they're already militarized. And it's getting worse. Back with more on this article after these messages. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix reading an article by Paul Craig Roberts and it says the police have been militarized and largely federalized by the Pentagon and the Gestapo Homeland Security. The role of the federal government in equipping state and local police with military weapons, including tanks and training in their use, has essentially removed the police from state and local control. No matter how brutal any police officer, it is rare that any suffer more than a few months suspension, no matter what they've done, usually without with uh, full pay. While a report is conducted that clears them of any wrongdoing. In America today, police murder with impunity. All the psychopaths have to say is, I thought his wallet was a gun. We had to taser the unconscious guy we found lying on the ground because he wouldn't obey our commands to get up. And that has happened many times, actually, in Britain too. There's a diabetic guy tasered almost to death because he was in a coma and a bus. So when he came back into the station, he was the only person on it. He was in a coma, naturally. So he wouldn't obey them. You don't do that. You don't obey things when you're unconscious. So they tasered them instead. This is happening all the time. And it's true that this, this kind of job attracts psychopaths. The modern policeman definitely has uh, is, is definitely got psychopathic qualities. There's no doubt about it. This is renewable, renewable cases of 240 pound cops, psychopaths beating 115 pound women, black and blue, or handcuffing and carting off to jail six and seven year old boys for having a dispute on the school playground, because that's taboo now, you know, all of the feminist stuff and etc. You can't have an argument in school. Many Americans take solace in their erroneous belief that this only happens to minorities who they believe deserve it, but, but psychopaths use their unaccountable power against anyone. 
The American police are a brutal criminal gang free of civilian control. Unaccountable power which the police have always attracts psychopaths. You're lucky if you only get bullies, but mainly if police forces attack people, attract people who enjoy hurting people and tyrannizing them. To inflict harm on the public is why psychopaths join the police force. And that's just the truth. Calling the police is a risky thing to do. Often it's the person who calls for help or some innocent person who ends up being brutalized or murdered by the police. For example, on September the 15th, CNN reported a case of a young man who wrecked his car and went to a nearby house for help. The woman, made paranoid by the war on crime, imagined that she was in danger and called the police. When the police arrived, the young man ran up to them and the police shot him dead. For, for, so there you go. People who say the solution is better police training are unaware of how the police are trained. Police are trained to perceive the public as the enemy. All the public, all of them. And to use maximum force. Since I've watched local police forces train, two or three dozen officers will simultaneously empty their high-capacity magazines at the same target, a minimum of 300 bullets fired at one target. The purpose is to completely destroy whatever is on the receiving end of police fire. U.S. prosecutors seem to be the equal to police in terms of psychopaths in their ranks. The U.S., the light unto the world, not only has the highest percentage of its population in prison of any other country in the world, but also has the largest absolute number of people in prison. The U.S. prison population is much larger in absolute numbers than the prison populations of China and India, countries with four times the U.S. population. Just to find a prosecutor who gives a hoot about the innocence or guilt of the accused who is in their clutches. All the prosecutor cares about is his conviction rate. And that's true. That's true. I mean, it's, they're psychopaths too, folks. They don't care if they get a guy who they probably suspect is probably innocent. They must get a conviction rate. And if, then their ego is boosted, you see. The higher his conviction rate, the greater his success. Even if every person convicted is innocent, the higher his conviction rate, the more likely he is he can run for public office. And that's the way of it today. Be a winner or a loser. Many prosecutors, such as Rudy Giuliani, uh, target well-known people so they can gain name recognition via the names of their victims. And it says here, it says, well, right in the article, he googled police brutality and Google delivered 4,100,000 results for the U.S. <laughs> if a person Googles police brutality videos, he'll discover that there are more videos than can be watched in a lifetime. And these are only those acts of police brutality that are witnessed and caught on camera. Now, it's not really safe to even take a film of it, too, because they're liable to kill you, too as it would take thousands of pages just to compile the information available. The facts seem to support the case that police in the U.S. commit more crimes and acts of violence against the public than do the criminals who do not wear badges. According to the FBI crime stats, and it gives you the link there, in 2010 there were 1,246,248 violent crimes committed by people without police badges. Keep in mind that the definition of violent crime can be an ex- uh, expansive definition. For example, simply to push someone is considered assault. If two people come to blows in an argument, both have committed assault. However, even with this expansive definition of violent crimes, police assaults are both more numerous and more dangerous, as it is usually half a dozen overweight goon thugs beating the, and tasering one person. And this is a long article, we did all, but this is something that's pretty standard now and it's becoming the same in all the countries, the so-called first world countries, as they all get trained in the same way and they're all involved in the same wars 
and the guys come out of the military and are, are lured into the police forces that they're, they're actually uh, sought after, actually. So this is your future as you get trained to simply obey. Now remember, too, the Club of Rome, another private think tank owned by the big foundations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, uh, they said in the 70s that they'd have to train the public to live under an authoritarian system because democracy would not work. Now, they'd always use democracy when they want to go to wars and so on and plunder and steal everything uh, and, and achieve other goals as well. But, but the reality is that they don't believe in democracy at the top whatsoever. Whatsoever, folks. And you better accept that. That's the way it is. Also, we know all the cons are going on at the top because of the money con, the whole racket of uh, this, this con of money has been going on for an awful long time. And we're trained, we're trained just to accept it, uh, and it's too, too complex for us to understand. Well, it's for simple mathematics, and it's, it's a con game. When it's dressed up as a science, it's a con game, folks, and it really is the biggest con there is. But it's not enough, you see. They want to go into a new system, too, to tax you on energy and carbon taxes personally and so on. And the big con to do it, too, is the, the global warming scare, which has turned into the coming Ice Age scare. Uh, which they also brought out back in the 60s. It was going to be the Ice Age then, and they changed their minds, and that was back to the Ice Age. But regardless, you see, we're causing it all the claim. Even though we've had many Ice Ages long before man was on the planet, that doesn't matter, you see. I guess the Earth was rehearsing or something. But it says, it says, EU policy, European policy on climate change is right, even if science was wrong, says the commissioner. So, so their policy on climate change is right, even if their science is wrong. Right. This is what you're supposed to put up with today. Regardless of whether or not scientists are wrong on global warming, the European Union is pursuing the correct energy policies, even if they lead to higher prices. Europe's climate commissioner has said, well, the whole thing is to gouge you all and to get every spare penny off you folks. They've said that before, to bring us into austerity, is to make you pay maybe 10, 20 times as much for, say, electricity, uh, gas, and, and gasoline and uh, and so on, or oil to heat yourself in the winter. All these things, they're going to pay an awful lot more and get a lot less, and it's going to bring you all into austerity. And this is all part of the global warming uh, nonsense too, uh, and carbon taxes, energy taxes. So, so how can you deal with people like this? I mean, these are tyrants. The EU policy on climate change is right, even if the science is wrong. You know, if, they, what's, if it's not the science that they're going by, what are they going by? Some, some, you know, is a some seer somewhere that, that tells them all this thing that from beyond? You know, as is Connie Heidegger's comments come as the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is expected to admit that previous scientific predictions for global warming and the effects of carbon emissions have been proven to be inaccurate. And that came out today. It won't matter. But this told us that. It won't matter that they're wrong. You're getting it anyway. You always get the shaft. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, reading an article uh, about Connie uh, Heidegard at the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, who, who basically said that regardless of whether or not scientists are wrong on global warming, the European Union is pursuing the correct energy policies, even if they lead to higher prices. Uh, this, she's the climate commissioner. And she was wanting to say... Um, Say that 30 years from now, science came back and said, wow, we were mistaken then, now we have some new information, so we think it's something else that's causing climate change. Well, but it's always, there's always been climate change, you know. It says in a world with 9 billion people, even 10 billion in the middle of this century, where, and there won't be, by the way, because we're going down. All the first world countries have been plummeting. It wasn't for immigration. And that's, that's what they tell us, the mainstream and your governments too. They say we need more and more immigration to, because uh, the folk in the first world countries have been awfully good and haven't had any children. So it says, let's say that science some decades from now said we were wrong. It was not about climate change. Gouging you, that is, and, and giving you carbon taxes on it. Would it not in any case have been good to do many of the things you have to do in order to, co- to combat ch- climate change if it existed? So let's do it all even though it doesn't exist. And this isn't, this person's in charge. She, she's a, she's a commissioner on, on the panel on climate change. You understand that these folk have all sworn allegiance to a different agenda. A completely different agenda, folks. The same one that H.G. Wells talked about and was on. A completely different agenda. And also this article 2 came out and it says, Harris, it says, New report counters climate change scare. Uh, Halloween comes a month, a month earlier this year with September 27th release of the next big UN climate change report. Innocuously entitled Working Group 1, the Physical Science Basis, the fifth assessment report of the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. It it doesn't sound scary, it says, but it is certain to provide endless fodder for doomsday coverage by media the world over. That is its purpose, of course, to convince the press to frighten the people so that they pressure governments into multi-billion dollar climate change plans. The science is settled, they say, the IPCC and climate activists will tell us it is past time for action. The IPCC could not conclude anything else. UN climate change activities must adhere to the doctrine laid down in 1992 by the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. At that year, Rio Summit, again a private organization, Maurice Strong, virtually all national leaders endorsed the FCCC proclamation that humanity must work to accomplish a st- a stabilization of greenhouse gas concentrations in the atmosphere at a level that would prevent dangerous anthropogenic interference with the climate system. That was 21 years ago, and even today no one knows what, if any, greenhouse gas level would cause climate change problems is immaterial. The Climate Change Express left the station long ago. So in the two decades since Rio, the UN has done what you would expect a well-funded, unelected bureaucracy to do when put in charge of solving your problem. They convened huge international conferences in exotic locations to orchestrate climate treaties. They created global warming and alternative energy uh, maps for the world to follow. They designed strategies to monitor and enforce countries' compliance with treaty obligations. And, of course, the United Nations will run the Developing Nations $100 billion Green Fund. It says, no matter what science and observational evidence actually tells us, it's not realistic to expect one part of the United Nations, which is the IPCC in this case, to conclude that the problem other parts of the organization has been pushing the world to solve may not actually exist.
So again, you're dealing with, uh, these are social activists with a political agenda, folks. And it's outside. It's not left-wing or right-wing, folks. It's totalitarian. That's the goal. The stupid humans can't manage themselves, and they must have massive government agencies to manage every single one of you from birth to, to death. And fleece you all the way. Because you're sheep, you see. And they have no respect for you at all. None whatsoever. They're authoritarian. And this article 2, a science-based rebuttal to global warming alarmism. It's not a bad article 2. It says in September 23rd, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change scheduled to release the first portion of its fifth assessment report and so on. And today, 193 of the 194 national heads of state say they believe humans are causing dangerous climate change. The IPCC of the United Nations has been remarkably successful in convincing the majority of the world that greenhouse gas emissions must be drastically curtailed for humanity to prosper. And it gives you a bit of history and so on and all the the subsidies and and taxes that they claim uh, and, and grants that they get and so on. But a counterposition was developing in 2007. The Global Warming Petition Project published a list of more than 31,000 scientists, including more than 9,000 PhDs, who stated there is no convincing scientific evidence that human release of carbon dioxide, methane, or other greenhouse gases is causing or will in the foreseeable future cause catastrophic heating of the Earth's atmosphere and disruption of the Earth's climate. So, so much for consensus, eh? At the same time, an effort was underway to provide a credible scientific counter to the alarming assertions of the IPCC. So this is a social agenda that's on the way under a guise of saving us all. And it's only one part of the big, big social agenda, folks. One one big part, mind you. Also, the GOP now is eyeing uh, the step on internet sales tax legislation. I'll put that up too for those. People think it's died away, but it hasn't. It's still there. And they want to tax everything, including uh, internet sales taxes and so on. Also, this one here is quite interesting and funny in a sense too, because there's nothing new in it. It's just that uh, it it keeps happening. We're always given fake experts for for, for war purposes. Remember, Gulf War I, uh, Bush actually had uh, his main expert, and actually all his boys had been searching the universities for someone's thesis on something, and, and as a student had written it, and the reasons that you go and attack uh, all the countries in, in the Middle East. And had the list of countries drafted up then. It, was, and it took us three years before we found out it was a student who had written the thing. Anyway, this is Kerry and McCain's fake PhD Syria expert, Obagi, I guess the name is Obagi, is a neocon and an Israeli-linked operative. It says, every fake war requires a parade of fake experts to help sh- uh, shill for military interventions. Elizabeth Obagi is a prime example of one such operative. Beyond her fake credentials, however, her story leads right to the heart of who's really pulling Washington's strings in Syria. It says, Dr. Elizabeth Obagi, a Georgetown University alumni, was thrust into the national conven- conversation last week after she wrote an op-ed a piece for Rupert Murdoch's The Wall Street Journal in an article which was later cited by both the U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry and Senator John McCain in their case for a military strike on Syria. The only problem was that Obagi, a senior research analyst at Washington's heavily pro-Israeli and new conservative think tank, the Institute for the Study of War, that's what it's called, it's private, 
private organisation, Alicia landed her job by claiming she had received her doctorate from Georgetown University. She's since been sacked from her role at the think tank because she didn't get, <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't pass at all. She will forever be known as Kerry and McCain's own sexier version of the curveball for Syria. And it says, um, specifically, Kerry sought to support Washington's own shaky policy thesis by reading a quote from the op-ed in which Obagi wrote that Islamic extremist factions are not spearheading the fight against the Syrian government, but rather that the struggle is being led by moderate opposition forces. And it says, though the pro-war Murdoch press, uh, through it, I should say, Obagi simply delivered the very contrived thesis which Kerry, McCain and Obama were looking for in order to justify their own sales pitch for intervention for sending arms to a a democracy-loving, moderate rebel army in Syria. Even more interesting is who Obagi has been working for. The ISW think tank was founded by Kimberly Kagan, a devout neocon whose fellow experts elevate U.S. military intervention and provide policy research backup for U.S. State Department, CIA, APAC, and a large national security defense contractor. The ISW's board of directors is led by William Crystal. <laughs> there you go. This type of organization is a nexus which brings together, amongst other things, support for the Syrian opposition, anti-caste on Cuba, and pro-Israeli activities. And it goes on and on and on. But you see, you, you hear these names and so on, and you don't even know the organizations they belong to. And, and there's the mainstream media spreading their faces across the place as though they're experts, that they're the top experts on everything for you, you know, for Americans. So, so you can go off and slaughter folk or be slaughtered and pay for all too, mind you. Also, we've seen what's happened with the big boys too who believe of course that see their own offspring down through the future must survive because that's eugenics for you you see and all those ones who are inferior must simply perish and die off according to darwin's theories and they really believe in all this stuff and uh, you'll find those who are pushing for the global warming stuff and, and all that kind of stuff, they're, all, they're all from the same group actually as the same ones that want to to stop eating meat for instance and and, and things like that or they want you to eat their GMO food, which they often have lots of shares in, Monsanto and other ones, which is full of poisons, which kill you off all the faster. They don't eat that at the top, remember. But uh, Bill Gates is now bringing you the artificial egg made of plants. Plants, yeah. It's called a plague. Plague. He's bringing you the plague. I'll put that up tonight, too. Back after this. Hi, folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the plague, you see. It's a plant's egg, because I call it the plague, because it's PL for plant and egg, you see. So it brings you the plague. And uh, this Bill Gates, of course, he's got a finger and everything that's pretty nasty for us all. And, um, and which they all do at the top, once you get there, it just comes with the position, apparently. And uh, it's just, and this is an ad. The whole, the whole page is an ad uh, given to the, the, the Mail Online, who just say it's wonderful, wonderful. It's definitely a handout to them by the, the marketing company that's pushing this plague, you know. And uh, and they're trying to replace it so that you don't eat uh, anything to do with, with animals anymore, you see. Very old agenda, this, actually. Very, very old agenda. But I'll put that up tonight, too, at cuttingthroughthemedias.com. And also a global smart ID for all UK citizens is coming in. And it says, 
starting to get through people about online identity management because in the UK a whole lot of folk are about to be forced to sign their life over to an identity provider. The UK government has decided to host all of its public services online to fulfill the digital by default or digital by default strategy it's called. The government digital strategy is now expected to be up and running by April 2014. Five companies have been chosen to provide identity management for UK citizens, one of which the post office will serve as registration centres for biometric smart ID enrolment. By the way, they've just sold off the post office, the private organisation. When I try to tell people about this and how it's a global scheme, they just don't seem to hear me. I can only think that the power of the media is responsible. Our folk don't care, do they? Most of them don't care. They're quite happy with entertainment and so on. And also... In Britain also, the the government tests uh, an emergency text message alert system to all the people. The Cabinet Office has confirmed its plans to carry out tests for an alert system to tell mobile phone users if an emergency occurs in their area. No matter where you are, it tells you in this article, they know where you are if you carry the phone, (laughs) which we've always known, of course. And uh, so you get text messages right from, from Big Brother, right from Big Brother, you know, who's watching you all the time too. Plus, Monsanto Protection Act. Remember that one? It quietly, it's quietly extended by the Congress. So about a budget provision protecting genetically modified seeds from litigation in the face of health risks. So in other words, if it kills your cancers and all the rest of it, uh, you can't charge them. Uh, it's just like the vaccination companies, same idea. They can vaccinate whatever they want in you and, and you can't bring a lawsuit against them. Anyway, it says for health risks, was extended for three months in an approved U.S. House of Reps spending bill Tuesday evening. Called the Monsanto Protection Act by opponents, the budget rider shields biotech BMOS like Monsanto, Cargill, and others from the threat of lawsuits and bars federal courts from intervening to enforce an end to the sale of a GMO genetically modified organism, even if the genetically engineered product causes damaging health effects. The biotech rider was first made news in March when it was a last-minute addition to the successfully passed House Agricultural Appropriations Bill for 2013, a short-term funding bill that was approved to avoid a federal government shutdown. That's when it snuck it in, eh? The current three-month extension is part of the short-term FY14, FY, that means for the general public, for continuing resolution spending bill. The Center for Food Safety, a vocal opponent of the, of the rider, released a statement expressing dismay that the measure once again avoided proper legislative process while usurping the power to challenge GMO products in court. Well, you can talk all you want, folks, when you keep riding over you. It's rather obvious in every direction. All of them are doing it. Also, it's interesting how the big uh, multi-billionaires come out behind uh, the commander-in-chief and so on. It says here, billionaire casino magnate Sheldon Adelson, who, spends nearly, uh, who spent nearly $100 million trying to defeat President Obama and other Democratic candidates, because he wanted the Nikons to continue, now says he stands behind the White House push for airstrikes in Syria, because now he's found out that the Neocons still run them and they're called Neodems, you see. He says, here, he's our commander-in-chief, whether we like it or not, he says, politically or not. Adelson told the National Journal in an interview late Monday evening, and though Democrats cast Adelson as a poster boy of campaign finance run amok in 2012, Adelson said he's even ready if asked to help Obama round up votes in Congress for a strike. So he wants a strike. And then you have to go into who he is, of course. And it says Sheldon Adelson puts money behind uh, a nationwide expansion 
of the Israeli-American Council. That's why he's in for it, folks. And it says, um, and this is from the Jewish Journal, this is, but it says, um, the Israeli-American Council, IAC, the non-profit, the was non-profit, umbrella organization that sponsors and supports various activities for Israeli-Americans and their families in Southern California, is launching an expansion effort aimed at re- replicating the IAC's model across the country. So they're standardizing it across the country. They push to take the Los Angeles-based organization national by opening branches in other major U.S. cities, has been in the works for more than a year. Amongst the largest supporters are the expansion of the casino magnets and mega-philanthropist Sheldon uh, Anderson, uh, Adelson, sorry, and his Israeli-American wife, Miriam, the IAC said. There's a lot of conflicts in the States, governments, the U.S. government. There's conflicts that have to be ironed out, you know, because this is war after war after war, and no one's talking about it. And a great article, too, by John Pilger. It says, From Hiroshima to Syria, the enemy whose name we dare not speak. It says, On my wall is the front page of the Daily Express, September 5th, 1945. And it says, says, And the words, I write this as a warning to the world. So began Wilfred Burchett's report from Hiroshima. He was the only non-aligned reporter who went over by himself to find out what was really going on. What happened when they bombed Hiroshima? It was the scoop of the century for this, for his lone perilous journey that defied the U.S. occupation authorities. Brochette was pilloried, not least by his embedded colleagues. It's true, all the other reporters were all embedded in the, in the, the war bunch. He warned that an, that an act of premeditated mass murder on an epic scale had launched a new era of terror. Almost every day now he's vindicated the intrinsic criminality of the atomic bombing is borne out in the U.S. National Archives by the subsequent decades of militarism camouflaged as democracy. That's what we've had, folks. Nothing but war after war after war. Militarism camouflaged as democracy. The Syria psychodrama exemplifies this. Yet again, we're held hostage to the prospect of a terrorism whose nature and history even the most liberal critics still deny. The great unmentionable is that humanity's most dangerous enemy resides across the Atlantic. He's, he's writing from Britain, or, or maybe in Australia. This is John Kerry's uh, farce and Barack Obama's uh, pirouettes are temporary. Russia's peace deal over chemical weapons will, in time, be treated with the contempt that all militarists reserve for diplomacy. With Al-Qaeda now amongst its allies, that's the U.S. allies, and U.S. armed uh, coup masters secure in Cairo, the U.S. intends to crush the last independent states in the Middle East. And that's what they are, independent. Syria first, then Iran. This operation in Syria, said the former French foreign minister Roland Dumas in June, goes way back. It was prepared, preconceived, and planned. It's actually planned years ago. The whole, you know, since, since 9-11, it was planned before 9-11. When the public is psychologically scarred, as a Channel 4 reporter, Jonathan Rugman, described the British people's overwhelming hostility to an attack on Syria, reinforcing the unmentionable is made urgent. Whether or not Bashar al-Assad or the rebels used gas in the suburbs of Damascus, it's the US, not Syria, that's the world's most prolific user of these terrible weapons. In 1970, the Senate reported the US has dumped on Vietnam a quantity of toxic chemical dioxin amounting to six pounds per head of the population. This was called Operation Hades, later renamed the friendlier Operation Ranch Hand, because I love these friendlier terms. The source of what Vietnamese doctors call a cyclofetal catastrophe. It's intergenerational now. 
Ann Pilger was a reporter who was over there and he saw what happened. And he says, I've seen them too in Iraq, too, where the US used depleted uranium and white phosphorus, as did the Israelis on Gaza, raining it down on United Nations schools and hospitals. There was no Obama red line for them, no showdown psychodrama for them. This repetitive debate about whether we should take action against selected dictators, that is, cheer on the US and its alakites, and yet another aerial killing spree as part of our brainwashing. Richard Falk, Emeritus Professor of International Law and UN Special Rapporteur on Palestine, describes it as a self-righteous one-way legal moral screen with positive images of Western values and innocence portrayed as threatened, validating a campaign of unrestricted political violence. This is so widely accepted as to be virtually unchallengeable. That's one of the little bit of it. That's all I can get through tonight. But I'll put all these links up at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com after the broadcast. Number two, once in a while you'll hear repeats. For a while I'm getting the wood in as fast as I can against all, all odds. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your God's go with you. <laughs> 